0: Our thinking, yet to be proven, is that we go to these established brands who are already transacting in tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, and they can utilize a coin or the crypto infrastructure that can either reduce their costs or increase customer attraction. Ultimately, society and certainly all economics run on trust. There is no other currency other than trust. So when you've got a system that can replace trust or create an environment where you can transact in a trustless environment, the impact globally is beyond measure.
1: Welcome to the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, I interview Cameron Schell. He's the CEO and co-founder of Business Instincts Group and he's working on ICOx. ICOx is a blockchain-focused enterprise group that is bringing blockchain technology to existing enterprise companies that you already know and trust. In this episode, we discuss bringing blockchain to the enterprise and what it's gonna to take to move from centralized systems to decentralized systems. This is an amazing episode, so stay tuned.
2: DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. From predictable pricing to flexible configurations to world-class customer support, you'll get access to all the infrastructure services you need to grow. Plus, DigitalOcean's community provides over 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to help you stay up-to-date with the latest open-source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean with a free $100 credit at do.co/hackernoon.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Cam. Hey, Cam, tell us a bit about who you are and
0: what you're working on. Hi, Trent. Thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so what uh, uh, a little bit of background. So what, what we do at, at ICOX is uh, we build uh, corporate currencies. And uh, be- before we talk about that, he yes, a little uh, background of myself. Um, uh, the last 10 plus years, I've been uh, running a company called Business Instincts Group or Big for short, uh, with a group of seasoned entrepreneurs, we're all basically, you know, 1.0-ers. And uh, we all kind of have a couple exits of varying degrees kind of thing. We're not rich or billionaires or anything like that, but we love building and commercializing products. And uh, we've done everything from um, put cameras, video cameras on the outside of the International Space Station uh, for the five space agencies. Uh, and, and, uh, and stood up the only uh, true video from space. Uh, right through to um, we've designed uh, the latest oil rig platform for Halliburton, uh, which is their uh, environmental um, initiative out there. And it's a a drilling rig that's about 30% faster and more cost efficient than anything else they've got uh, going right through to uh, computer vision systems, payment systems, and um, you know, just kind of like anything tech that seems impossible that we can, um, you know, actually go out and um, uh, you know, Create something super cool and see if it works and commercialize it. That, that's that's what we've done, and so um, and so we really got interested in the in uh, the blockchain space uh, back in about early thirteen, um, and we were approaching it a bit more from a KYC AML perspective, know your client um, uh, uh, and anti money laundering law uh, perspective, because we saw a lot of the exchanges that were trading these cryptos and Bitcoin in particular. Um, you know they didn't have the basic infrastructure. Uh, or reporting that we felt would allow for something like Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies to go mainstream. You know, the bank's required to understand source of funds and where the money's coming and going from. And so we, uh, we approached the industry, uh, built out a KYC AML uh, engine. And it was, uh, it, it, you know, it was a good engine, but it was commercially not successful because really the exchanges, the whole idea was, the bit, at that time, was that bitcoin was anonymous and and so these exchanges didn't didn't want to play in that world and that really I, it really um shouldn't have in hindsight but it really shocked us we're like well wait a minute how are you going to like transact in the real world or not the real world but but in 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 the broader in a broader economic um you, you know kind of geo space and um and so on that we're like hey maybe you know if everybody's zigging down this direction, like if all the cool cats are going down this direction and building this really cool tech, and that's where the, the you know, the 3.0s are and we're old school 1.0s, you know, maybe we should zag and and maybe we should be a little counterintuitive here and build out frameworks that can work for more of the mainstream. And in doing so probably, you know, hopefully attract investment capital and commercial uh, projects um, that, that are maybe at a different scale and maybe have a Different use case as well, and so listen, I'm, I'm so thoroughly impressed with, um, uh, you know, with the crypto heads out there, and and the purists, and the total decentralists, and the, I mean they're genius, like crazy genius. Way like, I wish I had that many neurons left in my brain, but <laughs> um, but the reality, but you know, and, and so I have no criticism around them. I think it's, I think what they're doing is great, um, but it's just a bit of a different take from from what we're doing in terms of trying to trying to build corporate currencies for established brands.
1: Yeah, and you're mostly taking kind of an enterprise approach and you're trying to bring these technologies, it sounds like, to kind of these existing enterprise companies and, you know, these existing established companies that, you know, are used to dealing with KYC and are used to working within the confines of regulation and certain systems. So
0: um, it's a different framework. It it is, and and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, You know, in in 1.0, we built so much stuff that was like the coolest stuff imaginable. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody used it. Nobody wanted it. Nobody <laughs> cared. Like it was just like didn't matter if it was cool. And so um, you know, as as we kind of move through, you know, uh, you referred to earlier the crypto winter, and and move into like some sort of uh, commercialization phase of mm-hmm. of block and crypto, it really you know it's all about adoption. So you know, in in late two thousand, you know, mid two thousand and one during the bubble burst or leading up to it everybody was starting to complain about the fact where are the users on the internet, where are the users like cool tech, cool this, but who's going to use it? Where and, and the, the, those companies that are now fortune 500 companies today or fortune 5,000 companies and still standing today are the ones that focused on adoption. Like they really went after use cases that were all about, adop- I mean, thank goodness for the rest of us and the rest of those people out there that are building stuff that won't get used. Cause it's usually the most coolest leading edge technology. But, uh, but the reality is it, it, it needs to have, it needs to have a, a like a, like a, a segue, if you will, or an on-ramp into, into some bigger main usage. So our thinking yet to be proven, um, you know, I think we got some good traction is that we go to these established brands who are already transacting and, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and they can utilize uh, a coin or the crypto infrastructure that can either reduce their costs or increase customer attraction. And so instantly there's an ROI and it can be measured against it. Um, yeah, and that's just when you're dealing with enterprise they they you know what that's that's the quantitative approach that that they have to take initially
1: anyway and you've already worked on some pretty big projects because you're actually behind kodak's uh cryptocurrency project yeah
0: yeah yeah so that i mean wow what a fascinating project and and that one um it's been an evolutionary uh process for us so we initially started building out um uh with with a fantastic uh tech team out of germany we started building out Uh, an image rights platform, actually a digital rights platform to protect and track and do post license management for intellectual property, digital intellectual property, whether it was, you know, music or, uh, or video or images and, and, uh, or what, or whatever. Um, And, uh, you know, digital is, you know, it's a massive industry that got completely, or, you know, the creative industry is a massive industry that got completely decimated by digital. And no matter how big digital is, if you can, if you can monetize the digital rights on scale, it's, it's mm-hmm. probably the big, one of the top five applications of blockchain out there. So we really got interested in doing that. But as we were doing it, we realized, again, it was all about adoption. Like, who's really gonna care if startup ABC is doing this? Like, we needed to go somewhere where you know where there was an organization that people had a trusted sense of. And so we, we approached Kodak. And in other projects, we've approached other, you know, not not related to crypto. We've we've built tech for other large companies. Like we built the tech and approached the company and kind of sold them on the idea of doing it, just so that we could get customer adoption. So we approached Kodak, and and uh, they were very gracious. And 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 we said, look, you guys got crushed by you know digital, uh, but if you could manage digital rights, this could really be something pretty cool. So in that case, we actually built the the framework of the economy, which is digital rights management. Uh, which Kodak is with us in, in the Kodak one project are going very deeply down. And, um, and of course they, they bring such reputation and so many photographers and a whole ecosystem of film and photography and, and, and creative content that we had, we have an existing market to to take the coin and sell it into. Now our coins, um, they're, they're really, uh, they're, what, what they're really designed to be is a payment rail. That provides reward and loyalty for those who use that. And in turn, that customer data that is typically been with Visa, Visa MasterCard, PayPal now can reside actually with you know, Kodak or whatever other customers that, that we're working with.
2: DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. From predictable pricing to flexible configurations to world-class customer support, you'll get access to all the infrastructure services you need to grow. Plus, DigitalOcean's community provides over 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to help you stay up-to-date with the latest open-source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean with a free $100 credit at do.co/hackernoon.
1: And you've got a new project called BitRail that you're working on now?
0: Yeah, so, um, so we, uh, there's, there's a couple of things within, within the ICOX uh, world. Um, there's a couple of things in the platform that actually you, you know, make this uh, work well. And so BitRail is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a payment rail that we have developed internally with an external customer uh, that is fully integrated with the banking system. Uh, has its money transmitter uh, licenses and can transact a compliant crypto. When I say crypto, I mean utility crypto, not a security crypto, like an actual, what it was originally meant to be. Like a fungible token, if you will, that runs on a, a payment rail um, with full KYC and AML. Um, and, 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 yeah. and, and so that particular project uh, on the 22nd of January. We'll announce uh, our first Bitcoin um, that that will run on it, and and that first coin that'll run on it is a is a online uh, marketplace uh, that is currently doing about 650 million dollars in revenue. Uh, it accepts Visa, Mastercard, and money orders, and Visa, Mastercard. Of course, they have they have you know really uh, quite stringent you know chargeback requirements, merchant requirements. Uh, of course, they've, they've they've got their fees in there, and this particular organization. Uh, is basically putting on their particular coin as an option to money order Visa MasterCard. Uh, it'll be at you know first six months free and then a 1% fee after that. Um, and it will have a, a different uh, way of qualifying the merchant transactions so that the chargeback issues aren't, Aren't um, kind of handled or dealt with in the same way that Visa and Mastercard would, which is typically, you know, cut somebody off. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, to this to this particular organization, there's an immediate benefit. They've got cost savings, they get customer data, um, and they provide a new service to their four million wallets uh, that they already have um, that was that isn't available to to anybody else out there. So, so with, without you know trying to run on too far here. One of the reasons we're so excited about it is, you know, this is an existing network, six hundred and fifty million in revenue, uh, four million uh, users, excuse me, uh, active users on the platform already. That will all have wallets that will receive this new coin, and will use it to transact um, at a discount to say having to use a Visa, Mastercard, or or a money order type system.
1: Yeah, which is huge. I mean, one of the greatest challenges of the crypto space so far is getting a user base. I mean what you're describing may in fact be one of the largest use cases for cryptocurrency outside of the existing exchange and cryptocurrency market that we see seen today. Um, so, you know, that's, that's
0: quite the accomplishment. Um, well, you know, it is, it is Trent. And we had an amazing team that, that has been doing it and thanks for, for even recognizing it. And it's still a little bit of a grand experiment. We've got a lot of work to do and it will have its kinks and, and we'll have to work through them, but, but it's, but, but it's tipping right? It's tipping. People are seeing the advantage of it. And it's, um, you know, when we first launched Kodak and, and I'm sure when, 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 we announced this customer, we'll have plenty of criticism out there too. But, but in particular, when we launched Kodak, we had a ton of criticism, uh, from the, from, from the crypto industry in particular, which was heartbreaking. Cause I'm such a fan of so many people in it that, um, and I'd like to think I'm in it, but I am a fringe player. Um, uh, just around the fact that it's not decentralized enough, or why do you need a blockchain to do this or, uh, w- without, you know, maybe an appreciation that a blockchain is a really important component of managing the IP licenses or the post-license management. But it's, but it's a piece of a, of a platform that also crawls the web and checks for infringements and, and also does, you, you know, payment systems and, and, and uh, monetization and, and checking of, of smart contracts. And there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily crypto that actually, or blockchain, that make this thing work. So it's not purely decentralized it's highly decentralized, but it's, and, and, and so this hybrid approach is really a practical approach that's, that's, that's case dependent and based on a real world problem. So anyway, I guess I'm maybe I'm, I'm trying to get in front of the criticism that I'm sure is going to come on this one as well, but, but hopefully commercially, we can prove it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've interviewed a couple blockchain purists on the show. I mean, it's, from a philosophical standpoint, I see where they're coming from, but, the reality is we need to get products to market today and I'm actually kind of a believer myself in hybrid systems. I think you need hybrid systems to be able to kind of bridge that gap uh, so that you you know, you know can leverage the best of centralized technology that we have today while also layering a decentralized component on top of it so you get the best of both worlds. Because yeah. the fact of the matter is blockchain is at a early infrastructure level right now and the networks that we're all envisioning just don't exist yet. So we have to build those networks and you have to start from, you know, you have to build that bridge first. Um, You know, you have to build that initial bridge that's going to get you from, you know, a centralized system to a decentralized system. And if you're not building a bridge and you want to just immediately have a decentralized system tomorrow uh, you know, it's not going to scale. And that's what we've seen. So if you leverage centralized tech that you can scale and have a decentralized component, you get the best of both worlds. And that, Especially for the enterprise, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I've got to ask. You know, you've got this enterprise background. You've worked on these huge projects. So what attracted you to cryptocurrency, and what attracted you to blockchain?
0: Uh well, the it, it, decentralization, right? Okay. Like, it, like it's the funny thing, you know the funny the thing that I kind of be get accused of, of working against is the thing that to me is the most attractive part of this. So, um, you know, if Ultimately, you know, basically society and certainly all economics uh, run on trust. that is, There is no other currency other than trust. So when you've got a system that can replace trust or create an environment where you can transact in a trustless environment, the socioeconomic, the, I mean, the impact globally to me is beyond measure. It is the, it's the great leveler. It's the great, you know, and I, I always like, you know, doing the underdog thing and, and, and so Like really we're talking about removing friction and this is a bit philosophical, but we're talking about removing friction from every single like aspect of interaction, not just transaction, but interaction. Mm -hmm. And so the impact of that to me is just, you know, i lay awake at night, just think about it. And of course I got to try to get it back to real. Okay. How do we get initial adopters and stuff? But we really have some fun brainstorming sessions about where this can go and what will really happen with it. And so that was, that was the, that was the initial uh, attraction to it. And then, you know so again, kind of going down that path, if we really want to create trust, the funny thing is 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 we kind of have to come up with with brands which in many respects are kind of like central calling cards, if you will, that mm-hmm. people rally to because they have that emotional or that eq trust in those brands so to us, everything we do is about creating trust, creating trust creating trust, and eventually that 's what will remove the friction so uh, I, I, that, that was the original uh, appeal to it and um, and of course, the crazy markets and, you know, just the chaos of it all, uh, you know, had some appeal as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly, it's both the present and the future. Uh, you know, we're living this technology right now. So, but, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if some of your uh, critics, you know, maybe they'll see this and see that, yeah, he's, you're coming at it from the approach of decentralization. I mean, that is the running theme of everyone that I've interviewed who's doing mm. anything in the crypto space As they always, like, the answer is almost always decentralization because yeah. it, you know, we're we're so, right now as a society, as a culture, like we're so focused on these centralized systems and we rely on them and, you know, we keep finding out every day, you know, they're really fragile um, and Very they're cool. not, they're not that trust that you were talking about. Just, it's eroding uh, in some of these companies. Like, you know, I think of Facebook and, you know, all their data scandals and, you know, they were sharing private messages, uh, you know, with other companies and stuff like that now. Yeah. so. You know, you, you look at those kind of situations and you're like, uh, okay, we need an alternative here. Uh, and decentralization is a path to creating those new alternatives, but I totally get it. Like you're using the business model of, Hey, let's leverage existing brands and let's leverage existing, you know, trust systems that people already believe in and then move them over to this technology and find new use cases.
0: Yeah. I have no, listen, I think it, that was very elegantly said, I'll tell you. And, and fragile is such a great word, you know, but human emotion and trust is fragile. And mm-hmm. so, so as, much, as much as we've seen that I, I, I totally believe that the, the decentralized future, I completely, completely buy into it. But the reality is right now, I still want somebody to like, I'm still I'm very old school at times. So I still want somebody to call it a call center. I don't care if I can go through all the questions in the Google search. I want somebody, once in a while, I just want that comfort to know I'm going to touch somebody that, you know, is going to either understand me or get me to my problem or whatever the case is. And so that's, that's a very low level of example of sometimes people still still need a bank to walk into. They just, they still want to know that there's another human there on the other side that can help them try to get through something. So it's, I I think it's, it's not just a, as, as I think you, you were alluding to, it's not just a technology leap that we're making here. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a society leap in order to get there as well. Eventually, nobody's going to know the difference. Like the, the, uh, the, the beta that we'll unveil for this customer uh, here uh, toward the end of January, p- people won't know they're using a crypto. They, they, they will have no clue. And it is so seamless. And, it's just, it, and, and that's, you know, th- that's the type of stuff that I think will, you know, it, just, it won't matter that it's a crypto as opposed to, you know, some other payment method other than the end result.
1: And I mean, ultimately, 10, 15 years from now, or maybe even sooner, some of these projects—that's that's the goal. You don't want people thinking about cryptocurrencies or blockchain. You want them to just simply get a better user experience and get those advantages and have a better system. That's the essence of trust. That absolutely,
0: that is the essence of trust. They—they they want, yeah, they just want to—they want to know. I think in the future they'll want to know it's decentralized because they'll have more trust in it. But mm-hmm. they don't yet. Um, but they, but but it can't it can't present any barrier today which it does you know you get a 16 character key code you know like it's just complicated like everybody says oh it's so easy it's it's not easy like i don't know you know buy and sell or trade bitcoin or transact in in a crypto it's not easy and it's not easy yet but it's you're
1: you're managing private keys hardware wallets uh, yeah it's a lot of work and for the average i mean getting grandma getting you know even your parents potentially to use this tech, you know, with the current state that it's in, not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But if you can create solutions that are really easy for them to use and it makes their life easier and they feel like they have a little bit more control, that's, that's, that's going to be the magic moment. So uh, you know, I can definitely see the use case where, you know, you can leverage existing companies to be able to get there because these are the brands that people already trust. Um, So now you're just giving them a better solution to be able to interact or benefit from you know what these companies were already doing with Centralized systems that you know didn't always necessarily work or were very fragile and now you're reinforcing them with decentralized
0: tech. Yeah, yeah, I, I think a little bit too we're also seeing that the the adoption right now is 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 in order to get adoption it needs to be a bit more of a push than a pull so the end the end user. So so the, the crypto community, sure, they want to see it and they use it, and they get more and more comfortable with wanting to you know, purchase things with digital currency. But um, but in order to get adoption on a larger scale, it it kind of needs to be pushed. So we see people like our customers going, hey, wait a minute, this this is we want our customers to use this because it saves us time and money, gives us better data, gives us a better user experience for our da 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 da. So so they invest the time and the money to create something that's going to be better for, for their, for their customers. And, um, and, and so it's, uh, you know, I, I really believe in grassroot bottom up, but I think that kind of stage or phase of crypto adoption is already passed. Um, and, and you know, it'll, it'll, it'll phase back in, but this, but this next stage that we're going into, it's got to be a bit of a bit more of a top down push. And, and I think we, you know, we see the banking institutions, you know, they've got more blockchain patents than any other particular industry. And, you know, the stats are out there saying that, that, that big companies are adopting, but again, they're adopting so that they save money and, and everything else. Maybe not, not for the pure uh, philosophical reasons that, that decentralization really has the potential.
1: I mean, when I go to blockchain events, I run into a lot of bankers. Um, there are the people who are at these events, learning about this technology, making the investments. Um, you know, they're, they're heavily involved in the industry and they're going to continue to be involved uh, because they see it as the future as well. And they want to be involved. Uh, They don't want to be cut out. So they're studying the technology. They're investing in new solutions Uh, They they understand that their systems, if anything actually they understand more than the average person that the systems they're using today are inefficient and ineffective um, Because they're using them and they're they're touching them on a daily basis So they're they're very excited about the future of FinTech and where this is going Um, and they're trying to figure out you know where they can exist in the future because this is a
0: paradigm shift. Yeah. Well, you, the, the other thing that we found, uh, Trent, uh, and, and again, to us, that's obvious after the fact, like most things, uh, is, um, you know, when we were 1.0s and we were doing all the disrupting and you we were young and changing the world and all that, that kind of stuff. The reality was the fortune 500 got replaced by, you know, you know, the new tech companies of the, or, you know, the tech companies of today. But that's because the CEOs and the leaders of those companies, that was a, that was an analog, you know to a digital shift it was a it was a complete and total like paradigm shift if you will today what we see is we see the people that are in charge of the banks and those established companies whether they're the linkedins or the googles or the amazons or you know whoever the fortune 500 companies that you want to pick today even the oil and gas companies they're populated by guys my age right they're populated by those of us who lived and and breathed and actually built that 1.0 revolution they're not going to get disrupted so so when i hear these things like oh the new blockchains are going to they're you know they're the fortune 500s of, you know 15 years from now i so identify with that but i disagree for the very simple reason that you know we we it's it's not a, it's not an analog to digital shift we're seeing we're seeing a 2.0 to a 3.0 evolution now it, it may have a bigger impact sociologically than even the, the, the 1.0 um, did but the reality is it's it's not a paradigm shift we're 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 evolving on on top of something else and so you, you like, like I'm like Uber and uh, and LinkedIn and Amazon, they're not going to get out innovated on blockchain. They're, they're, they're not. And, and so now it doesn't mean that there's not <laughs> use it. Dude, the banks have more blockchain patents than anybody else. Like that's, that's a, that's also a bit of the realization. that's a little bit different in this revolution than, than there was in the last one.
1: Yep. So I got to ask, we're on the Hacker Noon podcast. So what is some time in your life that you've had to hack something?
0: Oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So this, I, I have to be a little careful because I don't, I don't want to give too many, too many names away here. But this is this is kind of like the the worst and best hack that, that I can think of. Uh, sorry, I've got some kids running around here, um, and and uh, and so uh, we are building a visual search uh, company, and uh, so basically this particular company that we built a number of years ago. Currently owns uh, north of 85% of the market share of any retailer out there that has visual search. So if you would think about like a like a Home Depot type company, and, and you you go to their app and you take a you could, there's a little camera in the search uh, bar, just like there's a little magnifying glass, and you touch that camera, and you take a picture of a chair, and it'll you know in the in the yard or a barbecue or a piece of wood or a hammer, it'll pull that up out of the inventory uh, of Home Depot, and you can buy it in one click. So so we built this system out, great usage, all that kind of stuff. We were doing one of our first live events. It it was a big, big live event for a large fashion brand. And uh, literally with like hours before this particular event, we had a catastrophic meltdown. And uh, (laughs) that's just so embarrassing. So we literally all got in a room. And as the requests were coming in, we were physically going and doing searches and returning the searches back to the, the people at the fashion event uh, and, and populating it hundred percent manually. It was, it was a total hack. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the good news, the good news that came out of this was that in, in that about seven hours that we did that, which was a complete and total scramble, we learned more about the user uh, data that we had to generate in order for our AI engine, in order to learn more and faster. It was probably the most productive day in the company's uh, history. And uh, thank goodness that company hasn't had to do that since. And it's a, ve- you know, it's a very successful company today, but it had its struggles. And that was probably the, the worst and best hack, uh, at least in recent memory.
1: That reminds me of, uh, I think it was Steve Jobs when he introduced the first iPhone. Uh, it did like five things. And like he had to do them in a certain sequence or order, <laughs> otherwise the phone would crash. <laughs> I've uh, heard that. Yeah, that would like came out like a couple years after, you know, the presentation. Uh, I guess they had different phones for different like demos, because if you used the phone and like press the wrong button sequence on one, it would just crash. And so he had them queued up to do different things to show the different demos because he had to present the phone that day. Um, so, you know, there was, you know, a kind of a similar situation where, you know, he had to figure out how to hack that situation to get the presentation he needed. Sounds like you went through a very similar experience.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, any, any time we, we, like lots of times in, 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 our agile corporate development model, uh, which we call the rip kit it, we, we, we kind of force deadlines and, and kind of knowing that we're going to end up having to do hacks. And that's when the, that's generally when the most amount of innovation happens. So yeah, it's not, not fun times, but, uh, anyways, yeah. I love your podcast. I love what you stand for, Trent. Thanks so much for doing it. And I'm really honored to be a guest of yours. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I well yeah I, I could go on and on I'm sure so so uh, I'm glad you said the word to wrap up uh, yeah, listen to, to, to us you know we we are we're we're big fans of decentralization um, we think the world will be decentralized and by the time it realizes it it, it won't know that it already happened <clears throat> uh, which is which is kind of how a lot of adoption ends up happening uh, out there so. Um, you know, we, we, we think this is inevitable, and but we think it needs to kind of go through, you know, an evolutionary uh, state of, of adoption a bit at a time. And, and hopefully all of us in 2019 uh, will see that adoption start to take place. Awesome. And where can people find you? Uh, so the best place to find us is ICOxInnovations.com. That's uh, ICOxInnovations.com. Dot com. And uh, they can see and read about our uh, projects, sign up to our um, our video newsletter um, and, uh, you know, join the conversation and, you know, help us try to create something pretty cool.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure.
0: Trent, thank you. This concludes
1: another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.